Well, Luke 4, verse 31, uh, begins a little set of miracles and events that the Lord Jesus Christ does in Capernaum. It follows on in Luke's account from his rejection in his hometown of Nazareth. They would have killed him. They took him to the brow of the hill. They would have thrown him off the cliff when he would have perished. But uh, miraculously, uh, the Lord preserving and keeping, uh, he moved through the midst of them. Uh, They'd said to him in the synagogue, uh, we've heard you did great miracles in Capernaum. Do them here. Do them here that we might see them too. Well, now Luke is inspired by the Spirit to uh, open up as to what had been going on down in Capernaum. And he begins with this particular miracle that we're going to be looking at this morning. I began it last Sunday night when uh, wasn't well and I, I'd stepped in and we looked at the first part of this uh, section here, the uh, healing of the demon-possessed man. And so we looked at verses 31 and 32 by introduction. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. And we refer back to Mark chapter 21, the parallel uh, passage there. Mark, 20, Mark chapter 1 and verse 21. Then they went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. And now there's a comparison. And not as the scribes. They were used to teaching in, uh, in Capernaum, but nothing like this. There was an authority And there was a power uh, that came that utterly amazed them. And uh, we looked last Sunday evening, the Greek word ek pleso, astonished, outstruck. They were blown away. They were knocked out by the sheer weight of power and authority that was coming from Jesus Christ. Authority. He is a man who stood up. He wasn't like the scribes or the teachers of the law. There was an authority that arrested them, that blew them away. They were struck out by not only the words, but the power that came with the words. I can remember being at uh, at school, and I'm sure many of you here can remember your school days. Some of you are still at school. There'd be rules at school. And uh, behind the rules were the, uh, the school authorities and the ultimate authority there, uh, the headmaster. And uh, we had in uh, one of the schools I was at, there was a quadrangle, quite a big one, in the middle, uh, a lovely lawn and grassed area. And the rule was no walking on the grass, but between one end of the building and another, if you had a lesson in one end and another, Sometimes the quickest route was across the grass, the diagonal, rather than going all the way around, particularly if you were late and the bell's about to ring, maybe it's ringing, and you set off going across the grass, and a voice says, you boy! And you turn round, only to see, it's only Jones in 4B, who's a pretty good mimic of the headmaster. So what do you do? You carry on walking across the grass. There are words... There's no authority. 
But with Jesus Christ, the words came with authority and power. And we've seen that the Lord Jesus Christ so humbles himself that although he could have carried out his ministry here on planet Earth in his own innate power as the eternal Son of God, uh, he chooses to carry it out according to divine plan in the power of God the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's how you and I need to live as well. And so he humbles himself to that extent that his baptism the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And he's driven out by the Spirit into the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil. Then he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And now he's teaching the synagogues with an authority that alone comes from that power of the Holy Spirit upon him. I was uh, reminded in preparing for this uh, again of uh, David Morgan. You've probably heard this so many times. It's a thrilling story. Here was... uh, quite an ordinary pastor in uh, Wales in 1859. Uh, A faithful man with a little congregation and preaching the Word of God faithfully. And here's the account of him. Morgan, who went to bed one night in October 1858, and when he woke up, he realized that something dramatic had happened to him. Now, it happened while he was asleep, but God can work even when we are asleep. He went to bed a lamb and woke up a lion and felt great power. Over the next two years or so, he journeyed throughout every part of Wales, preaching the gospel, often holding three or four services a day, and in the process saw a multitude of people come to Christ. Somewhere in the region of 100,000 people were brought to Christ during the revival in Wales in that period. This is the power of God. Now, an ordinary man, David Morgan, he goes to bed one night, the spirit works, he wakens up, he's aware something's happened, there's a new power. When he preaches that next day, dramatic things happen, people come to faith, the believers are cleaned up and arrested and begin to live as Christians And then he goes around his ministry around Wales three or four times every day preaching the gospel, many other men being used as well, and 100,000 people brought to Christ. What a transformation Wales would see today were 100,000 people added. And in proportion, it would maybe be about 400,000 a day because of the population increase. What a transformation there would be. After the crest of the revival had passed, he returned to normal pastoral duties again. He went to bed one night, and the lion became a lamb once again. Just an ordinary pastor. We're able to pray that God would bless. And uh, we're able to seek Him for that. And may we do that increasingly as a gathered congregation, our prayer meetings, oh Lord, send your spirit. Anoint the preaching with power. I think I finished last Sunday evening asking, had anybody been saved last Sunday? And there wasn't a single hand went up. Oh, what a wonderful thing it would be if there were a flutter of hands uh, around the building such as this and people being drawn in. God is able. He preached with authority. Well, let's move on to the miracle 
itself. We got this recognition of who Jesus Christ is. Now the amazing thing is this. During his ministry so far in Nazareth, and now in Capernaum, we're having the accounts here, nobody knows who he is. Oh, he's the carpenter's son. Uh, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this uh, Mary's uh, boy? Uh, I remember here we, we bought that table and uh, it was Joseph uh, who, who made it and maybe uh, he, his son helped in the manufacture of that particular table. Uh, nobody is recognising him. In the Gospel accounts, as he makes his public appearance, nobody knows who he is. The question really is, and for you and me this morning, and to keep it fresh if we're Christian people, who is Jesus Christ? Because it changes everything. If he is who he claimed to be, my allegiance must be total to him. He and he alone is the captain of the team and we're looking to him. His instructions are paramount. His instructions are vital. Lead for I dare not take a step unless you show uh, the way. But who is he? I remember uh, at the point when I was coming to, to faith, I had lots of arguments against Christianity, uh, arguing with people, uh, what about evolution? Uh, what about science and the Bible? Uh, what about the, the Big Bang? Uh, what about suffering in the world? And a wise person said to me, uh, Andy, just put those to one side. They are valid questions. Put them to one side. Answer this question first. If you can get this question right, everything else will fall into place. Who is Jesus Christ? Settle that. Settle that. And everything else will begin to fall into place. And amazingly, that is exactly what happened. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, here in Luke's Gospel, as Jesus begins his public ministry, there in uh, Capernaum, and in Nazareth, in that region of Galilee, the first to give the right answer to the question, who is Jesus Christ? Well, it was not a human, but it was an unclean spirit. Here it is. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out in a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What have we? Seems there were several inhabiting this sad figure of man. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Well, there's confusion. Uh, it's Joseph's uh, son. It's Mary's son. We know his brothers and his sisters. He has an unclean spirit. And he's struck by the one who's preaching in the synagogue in uh, in. Capernaum on this particular Sunday. Just first of all, a little background here. What exactly, this is probably older things to you, uh, maybe you know them very well, but it's worth going over them. What exactly is an unclean spirit? What exactly is a demon? And as we talk about these things, we have to be careful. Uh, I've been praying much because I'm going to be mentioning the works of the enemy and the wiles of the devil. The devil is not a jokey figure. 
You see him in cartoons as a cartoon character, someone you might poke fun at. Don't poke fun. He is immensely powerful. His cohorts, demons, are immensely powerful. Now, what, what exactly are they? Well, they are fallen angels. There was a time when they inhabited heaven. Uh, three archangels, uh, Gabriel, Michael, another one, Lucifer. What a lovely name he had, son of, of the dawn. But there was a battle in heaven. Pride was found in the hearts of Lucifer. Not content with being a guardian cherub, he wanted to make himself like the most high. And a battle takes place. Let me just read to you a, a section here in Revelation chapter 12. You might think Revelation's all about the end times. Well, there's a lot about the end times, but it also goes back to pre, pre-time times. Revelation 12 gives an outline of what happened in heaven. In symbolic language, let me read it from verse 7. Revelation 12 and verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found in heaven for them any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, and that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast into, out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. War to the inhabitants of the earth, the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Satan, a fallen archangel. Demons, unclean spirits, fallen angels. There was a battle. They lost their place. They're cast down to earth. They are opposed to God and the works of God. They're opposed and focused on the work of God through His people. That's the background as to who they are. Now this man in particular. He's possessed, we're told. He has this unclean spirit. 2,000 years ago, demon possession was common. I'm not aware that I have personally met anybody in that situation. Calvary changed a great deal. Calvary destroys the power of the devil. And increasingly, the kingdom of heaven is increasing, and the gates of hell the devil might do what he wants and tries what he wants to. His effect is very limited. The gates of hell will not prevail against the kingdom of Christ. And when I came to faith in 1976, I used to belong to the devil. I was his by right. I'd sinned as he had sinned. I'd rebelled against God and I was in his camp. But because of Calvary 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit came to me in Brisbane, Australia, August 1976, and invaded my life, gave me new life, showed me my sin, showed me Jesus Christ, the answer, 
And I, I was given grace to do these wonderful things. Repent of what I am, a sinner. Repent of what I've done, multitude of sins. And at the same time to believe and to embrace the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of Calvary, demon possession is rarer than it was in biblical times, but it still does happen. Jesus Christ says in Mark chapter 3 and verse 27, if you want to plunder a strong man's house, the first thing you need to do is tie up the strong man, and then you can plunder his goods. What did Jesus Christ do on Calvary? As he died the death that I deserve, rising again from the dead because he had no sin and, and death couldn't hold on to him, what did Jesus Christ do as a result of Calvary? He bound Satan. You can read about that again in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 3. Satan being bound and he can't hang on to his goods any longer. And for 2,000 years, year after year, Sunday after Sunday, week in and week out, the house of Satan is being plundered. Now, which house do you belong to this morning? One of two houses. It's either you're in the sad position, ultimately, of this man we find in the synagogue in Capernaum. Well, I'm not like that at the moment. By the grace of God, you're not. But carry on on this road. And you'll end up in a place that wasn't prepared for you. The Bible's very clear. You can read it in Matthew chapter... 25, that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. The devil was the first to sin and his angels with him. And hell was prepared for them. And deceived in the Garden of Eden by that fiend of hell, Satan, Adam and Eve fell. But glory to God by his grace and his mercy, there's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a way that is open and all may go in. Calvary's cross is where you begin. Out of the realm of Satan. Into the house and the realm of light and the Lord Jesus Christ. Calvary's cross is where you begin. When you personally come as you are, come as a sinner to Jesus. Don't wait till you're better. There's no training program you can go through that uh, you can merit becoming a Christian. If you want to become a Christian, you come by seeing how bad you are, how worthless you are. And Jesus Christ welcomes worthless, hopeless, helpless cases onto his team. He takes you, he takes off the filthy sin of your life. He paved it on Calvary. He gives you his wonderful, clean jersey to wear you're now on his team. And again, as his people, are we saved people here this morning? Let's keep looking to the team captain. Keep looking to Jesus. Why am I here this morning? Well, I'm the appointed preacher. Why are you here this morning? If I weren't preaching, I was sat in the pews. Why would I be there? Is it just because it's Sunday and it's expected of me? God have mercy on us. What an opportunity this morning to hear from the Lord Jesus Christ. What does he want to correct in my method of play at the moment? 
What position does he, he want me in? You know, a team captain can swap players around as well. Uh, some are pretty fundamental, I, I believe. I, I, rugby, it's beyond me. But uh, let's go back to a, a simple game like football with a round ball. A lot, a lot easier to understand. You know, the, 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 the captain and the, we're swapped around. Well, you're going to go up front now. It's, we're 1-0 down. There's only five minutes left. And the keeper's even going to go up. And he's looking for the signal. Can I go? Can I go? Yes, you can go. Can you go? What's he saying to you? Are you waiting for a signal? Here's where he speaks through his word to his people. So here's this, this man. What a pitiful state he is in. But it's the demon who speaks. I know who you are. Can you imagine the scene? That's the demon speaking. In effect, he's saying this. I know who you are. I've seen you before. In the days before that battle, I recognize you. It's not that you look the same, but all that I'm understanding now, this Greek word, I know who you are, uh, it's genosco. It's better translated this way. I perceive who you are. I get you. I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. What a title to give to Jesus Christ. What a high title. And it comes from this fiend from hell. Jesus and his response to the man. He's looking steadily at him, but Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Now, a demon is extremely powerful. Uh, you can see the effect they have in, in the scriptures. An archangel can destroy uh, whole cities under the hand of God. Uh, demons less powerful than an archangel, certainly. Uh, demons less powerful than Satan himself. Uh, but they do have great power, and this demon will not come out of the man. He's a spiritual being. He's associating with his body. He's quite comfortable to, to be there. But at the word of Jesus Christ, you see, demons are powerful. Jesus, as the eternal Son of God, he is all-powerful. And at his word, there's nothing the demon can do but to Obey, we're going to finish with this great hymn before too long. Jesus, the name high over all. He's our captain. Is he your captain? Who is on the Lord's side? Come out from under Satan's realm. Come into the realm of light through the cross of Jesus Christ and do it now. Do it today. You don't know you've got this afternoon even. Never mind uh, tomorrow. Come to the Saviour now. He's calling you to be part of His team. Jesus the name, high over all, in hell or earth or sky, angels and men before it fall. You see, they gladly bow their knee to Him. But devils fear and fly. The power of Jesus Christ. Finally, let's just think about, before we, we close, the, uh, the congregation there in Capernaum 
and their response to all this. Then, this is the congregation, they were all, not some of them, there were no sleepers there in Capernaum looking around here this morning. Any, anybody nodding off anywhere? Anybody? Yeah, it can happen, it's warm and as we get older and uh, maybe you lacked a bit of sleep uh, last night, but uh, no sleepers in the synagogue in Capernaum this Sunday morning were told they were all amazed and spoke among themselves. They say that. Okay, I don't know if they have pews. I'm not sure what the structure was. I should have looked it up uh, in a synagogue 2,000 years ago. But they're talking to each other now, saying among themselves, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Now, I want to take up this little word. They were all amazed, amazed. The English translation of the Greek is a little bit weak here. Uh, amazed is a little bit, oh, I'm amazed. A little bit like nice. Oh, that's, that's nice. We've overused it. And uh, oh, uh, it was an amazing performance. That was an amazing thing he did. Wasn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Isn't he amazing? Isn't she amazing? We, we overuse it. But uh, it's a very powerful word, certainly in, in the Greek. Uh, thambos, uh, it means literally to be rendered immovable, to be dumbfounded. They were, they were dumbfounded. In other words, they were stupefied. 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 They were stunned, amazed. Stunned. I stand stupefied in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. I wonder, do you wonder? Has it all worn off how he could love me? You know, what am I doing here in the pulpit? A sinner, condemned unclean. How marvellous. Remember, I had some encounters with Christianity in my teenage years. I went to a, a church youth group in Barn Oldswick and uh, occasionally would go to evening services. It was called an independent Methodist church. They had an unpaid lay ministry. There was one man who came one Sunday evening. Remember his name? I was only 15. I can see the scene now. I was sat downstairs, beautiful chapel, circular chapel, like a coliseum, and the wraparound gallery, completely circular. It's a listed building now. It's still there in Bonnallswick, and uh, the pulpit and a big organ uh, behind. And the preacher, a man called Harry Ashworth, he was ancient. I think he was about 66 when he came same age as me now and to you youngsters I must look like old Harry Ashworth that ancient man and uh, before the sermon he said I I feel led to minister in song now my wife's having a panic attack now in case I start singing but I won't minister in in song this morning well, he did he said I want to sing 
I stand amazed in the presence. And the organ, and he just sang a solo, all five verses followed by the choruses. And uh, I was moved, even as a 15-year-old. I stand amazed. And the congregation there in Capernaum, they were amazed. How about you this morning? Is Jesus Christ amazing? You know, he really is. He's the eternal Son of God. He came on a mission to this sad world. And it is a sad world. You might think, why are all these things happening? And it's one thing after another. It's all explained by Genesis 3. But Calvary's putting things right. It has put things right. It's opened the door to heaven. It's sealing over the trap door to hell. There's a day coming because the kingdom of God is increasing in the hearts of men, women, children, young people as we come on to the Lord's team through the cross of Calvary, repenting of what I am, trusting in Jesus Christ, joining his team. People are being changed from the inside out. There's a day coming. We look at it, God willing, tonight. The last section of, of Malachi. When everything will be put right. Hope of heaven or the fear of of hell. Well, this man in the congregation there, he's a picture of the gospel, our desperate need, and that need met through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a relief for the man who was demon-possessed. Don't know how long he'd been in that situation, but now he's been set free. Well, a greater freedom can come to you this morning if you would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, it's not enough even to be amazed by Jesus Christ. Genosco is not enough. We're told in James chapter 2 and verse 19, you believe in God? Well, it's not enough. Even the demons believe and shudder and tremble. Along with belief must come repentance. Yeah, a recognition of what I am. I'm a sinner. I'm a rebel. I'm hell-deserving not only am I a sinner by nature, I'm a sinner by action, the multitude of things I've done, and even one of them would sink me to the depths of hell. But I repent of what I am and what I've done. Really, it's quite simple. And I go through the door of Jesus Christ, and I find his loving embrace. Would you do that this morning? Would you be transformed? Would you come onto the team of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you for this brief time in your word. We thank you for the power of the gospel and pray it might be applied this morning to many hearts, not only here but throughout the city of Cardiff and, and beyond. Lord, wherever your people are gathering, may there be stirrings of your spirit and a great ingathering of souls. We commend each other to your care. Help us to keep looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter, of our faith. To God be the glory, we pray. Amen. Well, let's finish this worship service with the hymn I was quoting by Charles Wesley, uh, Jesus the name high over all, 128 in the hymn books.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.